that's what I get to do with Surge. It feel, for Surge, it felt like coming home to me. Welcome to the Search in Your City podcast. I'm your host, Blaine Larson, and today we're talking with Bill Finley. Bill is our area director out in Raleigh, North Carolina. And Bill's been with us just a little bit over a year. He's one of our our rookies here to search. We've hired a lot of new staff in the last couple years, which has been really fun. And and Bill, you're you're one of the gems. And so I just want to thank you for joining me today on the podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, Blaine. I'm thrilled to be with you guys. Well, let's just start where where I like to start with a lot of our new staff, which is you you've been on staff about a year with us. Tell us a little about you and your family and your journey to search. Yeah, well, um, I grew up in Raleigh and was away for almost 20 years from Raleigh in 2011, moved back here. Um, I, of course, my claim to fame is I married out of the coverage. I married way above my pay grade. Um, and my wife and I, we wanted to have a large family. We were thinking sort of four that ended up being six, um, kids, um, uh, within seven years. So they're all stair-stepped. And so we were really busy in our early years of marriage. And then um, in 2008, we got connected with a girl from Ukraine who got just put her on her heart and really opened up the door that she was supposed to be part of our family. So we adopted her in 2009. So we have seven kids. That's a lot. Um, uh, you don't have to say that's a lot. We, we're we fully aware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we love it. We were camp counselors, so uh, it's not for everybody, but it was for us. And um, and then I've worked largely – I was a school teacher when I got out of college, but really felt um, a move in a different direction and ended up doing church ministry as a pastor for 27 years. And now I'm with Search. Well, we're glad to have you. And I'd be curious to know what attracted you to Search. So You, you moved out of a church pastor role. That was what you were doing for a, a long time right before you joined us. So what attracted you to uh, to us? Yeah. yeah, so I love pastoral ministry, um, but more and more um, my heart uh, over my final two years pastoring was burdened for people outside the four walls of a church. And I was noticing we were getting people that were Christians, people that were familiar with Christianity, but skeptics, seekers, they, they were more and more not coming into the church. And um, people who had been winded by the church, um, been winded by pastors or other Christians, people who would never walk near a church again. And my heart longed to spend more time with such people. Um, also, I'd become convinced in my work as a, a pastor in the church that real life change, it didn't happen at big events or even from the sermon. I think that sermon can play a role in people's lives, but it happened in smaller contexts and small groups and particularly one-on-one. Um, Blaine, the, the seed for that conviction actually was planted years ago, feels like 100 years ago, back in college. I served with a ministry to high school students called Young Life. I think you're familiar with Young Life, mm-hmm. if I'm correct. Um, Young Life taught me something really simple, and that is how to go into the world of high school people. And so I'd go and hang out with high school people in their world and at school and their games and elsewhere, and just loving them unconditionally, earning the right to be heard. 
we do similar things in search with adults in, in the marketplace. We go into their world, the marketplace. We come alongside them. We unconditionally care for them with no strings attached. And we build trust and simply earn the right uh, to be heard. It's, for me, it's sort of like coming back home to a ministry I loved doing when I was in college and a young adult. Um, and honestly, Blaine, I still wake up some mornings I can't get to believe I, I get to do this every day, to work with search and walk alongside those who are searching. Um, yeah, I was thinking about um, a, a woman I got an email a few weeks ago. We just started a, a new group for women in the marketplace in Raleigh. I'm really excited about this, particularly because my wife is on ministry alongside me. She's leading this group. And a woman, um, um, I was talking to her about, hey, how's it gone about several weeks in? And she shared this. She said, you know, it's funny. I was searching. And searching for a group just like that, but I didn't know I was searching. And that's the privilege we have. We get to help people just like this woman in their search. Um, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's why we're that's why we're doing this. So, uh, what, what's been a highlight or a story that you think everyone listening would would want to hear from your your first year with search? Yeah. Well. Um, it, there's so many things. A lot of it's been learning. I'm newer to search and how they operate. Um, but, you know, it, it's ironic. I've heard a lot of people talk about how this season um, of the past 10, 12 weeks has really slowed down. It's been very different, but it's been the opposite for me. And things have really sped up because through Zoom and technology, a lot of the guys that are business owners and leaders in the marketplace and, and the women as well that my wife's working with, they've actually had more availability. Um, and it's been a hard season for them. Loss of cash flow, loss of investment value, wrestling whether they let employees go, um, loss of contact with people, loss of the familiar. I was talking to a man I got connected with recently um, who was struggling in his marriage and um, and also with alcohol addiction. And, and he shared with me that I asked him, what's the season been like for you? And he said, you know, it's opened my eyes. I don't think if it wasn't for coronavirus I, that I would have seen the things that I needed to see about my life. I need help. And uh, I've got big questions, but he's, he's getting some help with his alcohol addiction. But he's got big questions about what's the meaning of life. He's in his early 40s. And so I'm helping him take some steps. We just we're talk and meet weekly on Zoom and hopefully in person soon uh, with his big questions about life and God. And I'm hoping he's going to join us on our open forum call tonight. Um, and that would probably blame be a second thing. If we got time, I'd love to talk about our open forum. That would probably be the, the biggest thing for me. Um, um, open forum is, if people aren't familiar with it, is we host one-hour conversations over three or four weeks um, in search, which we invite guests to come to our homes or right now it's been with coronavirus on Zoom calls. And people are skeptics and seekers, and they're our special guests. And they have a chance to come and ask any question or disagree with something um, about, you know, it could be the Christian faith or anything to voice their opinions, but particularly to ask questions that they've often been too afraid to ask. And uh, um, last uh, or two weeks ago in our first open forum meeting, uh, one of the people in the conversation had the courage to ask this. She, um, the person said, I'm struggling to understand how a loving, an all-powerful God can allow something like coronavirus um, to come about, particularly something that seems to prey upon the poor and the weakest of our society and world. And, Glenn, that was just a great question. 
Yeah, I think it's a question whether you're Christian, you're whatever religion or an atheist or an agnostic. I think a lot of us have had. It's like, man, this thing is like nothing I've ever seen. And yet we're afraid. We're afraid to ask those questions. And I thought it took so much courage for that person to do it. It, it just, it's for me, it's just an honor to, to be in that place where people are wrestling. We took the rest of that first meeting and all of our meeting last week to really talk through that question and to, to see, I think that, you know, it's possible that, that maybe pain and suffering are not contradictory to God being loving and all powerful and that we could see how he could actually use that even if we couldn't see it in that moment or that season. And wow, that was an amazing conversation. So that's been one of my highlights and seeing these people um, taking um, some steps on that journey of wrestling with life and God. Well, it, it I can see why it's a highlight for you. And it's one of the things that I loved to do as well when I was on our staff in Nashville for seven years. And oftentimes when questions like that would come up, Bill, I would either say or I'd think it or I'd find another way to say it. But I'd, I'd say to the person, welcome to the club. That's a great question. Yeah, Because uh, uh, especially when it concerns the, the questions around evil and suffering and the goodness of God and how does all that work out or can it or maybe they're totally contradictory and it doesn't. Uh, I mean, th- that's, uh, that's, a, that's probably the number one intellectual reason why people struggle with any kind of faith, forget Christianity, just is there a God period generic? And you look at the evil and suffering in the world and you go, well, how can all this work out? And and it's a question that uh, even uh, Christians struggle with. Uh, and, and, and I think because, if I can say this, uh, God didn't really give us a great answer. It's one of those questions where we can flirt around the edges. We, You know, there's a few things, but if you're looking for specifics, if you're talking coronavirus, why doesn't he just fix it, snap his fingers metaphorically? Um, who knows? He's not talking. And, and I think that's one of the struggles. And we just, with search, what I love about what we get to do, Bill, is we get to admit that. We don't have to pretend that we have all the answers. We we like to say sometimes a great question is a lot better than a good answer. And so, anyway, it sounds like you're doing just fantastic stuff. And and, in, no, and I love I love what you just said. Thank you, Blaine. And if there's anybody's listening to the podcast right now, and like you've walked away from the church, I have friends like that. Um, or, you know, just you're skeptic and you just are fed up with Christians. I sure can I relate with that. Um, I'd say this, and it's what I love about the approach plan of search is that we're okay to say we don't have it all figured out. I think any person that would say that. Run. <laughs> takes, yeah, run with that person. They got a lot of arrogance. And, and, and I enter these calls and um, the, the people that are followers of Christ that I sort of equip to be on these calls with me that are inviting their friends to ask questions, I tell them it's okay to not have an answer. We're all coming in humble enough to realize that we want to learn from each other. And so the, the, these forums are really just a conversation where we all can wrestle and learn. And I've, I've got things and perspective I'm convinced of, but we want to be humble enough to help people. And so if you're there uh, listening to that, I just want to say Christians don't have all the answers. They have what they think is an answer, but just it's, uh, it's, it's okay to not have all the answers. 
Good, good thought, Bill. And and I think that leads right into where I wanted to end this podcast, which is something I've been doing on most of these, which is uh, I, I would love for you to share with us something from the scripture, something you're reading, a thought, whatever, but something that's been encouraging, challenging, thought-provoking to you in the last few days? Yeah, that's great. Um, I appreciate the question. Yeah, it's, it's actually one idea, but I'm going to tie it into two thoughts, if I could, and two different short scriptures. Um, the first thing I've been thinking about, and it really is le- this season. You know, I just had a son, Blaine, who got married last weekend, and it was just a great event. But because of coronavirus – for both he and his now it's his wife, um, it, it we had to do it at our house. They couldn't do it at they had two different places picked out, and they both got shut down. Um, and it wasn't suffering per se, but it was a loss. It was different than what they had expected. Particularly his wife, you know, she'd been dreaming about this since she was a little girl, and um, and so I, I think it's given me season to pause about losses from the coronavirus and things that were different for me. And um, I was thinking about this a writer. It's a book of the Bible called uh, Romans. It was a letter this guy Paul wrote to these Christians in Rome who were suffering. And he could write this crazy statement. Um, He said, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts for the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And maybe my first thought is it's about suffering in the role it's played in my life and loss. And yeah, uh, why that has spoken to me is because I've had suffering, broken and lost relationships, things that were different. Even and coronavirus has helped me be, remember this is that. Um, Suffer, the Christian message is not you have hope because you won't suffer, but you have hope because God works through suffering to change me. This season has revealed some – it slowed me down enough to see some things inside me character-wise that needed to change. I needed to grow up, and I have friends who don't have that, and it makes me sad, um, but I have hope. So it's had a personal impact upon me, but the second thing that's led me to reflect on um, – and the role of suffering is the role that suffering plays, like coronavirus, in the life of those who don't have a relationship with God. They're all alone. They're on their own. And I have friends like that, even in this season. And I, I've seen how it's hard in them, or they get really political and they're mad at the guard. They're just angry. It, it seems that without any relationship with God, they don't have that hope, that peace that I know that I have and it breaks my heart. I want them to have it. It motivates me to share more about the hope that I have. There's this um, another book in the Bible this guy Peter wrote and he says this, be prepared to give an account or an explanation to anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that you have in you, which I think is such a great motive and explanation of why blame we do what we do and search. Um, but we have a problem, and that is that people that should be telling others about that hope, Christians, they're terrified of doing it. And people don't know and, and search that we not only hang out with people that are skeptics and would never go near a church, but also Christians that that they're terrified of telling people about that hope. They don't know how to do it, and we get to equip them. And um, one of the neat things about that verse, I left off a little phrase 
there at the end of it. Let me read it again. Be prepared to give a, a defense or an explanation of anyone who asks you for the hope that's in you. It, do it with gentleness and respect. And I think um, I remember when I wasn't a Christian, several Christians took me off because they just came so abrasively. It was like a fight to tell me about this Jesus that I shouldn't care, I should care about. Um, I'm reminded of, a, and I'll wrap up with this, with a, a line I read recently. It's, it's a neat book by Dallas Willard, and I feel like it could have been written by search guys. And he's reflecting upon this phrase, do this, share about your hope, share about Jesus with gentleness and respect. And he says this, the work of the apologists or the evangelists, those that are sharing about their faith, is the work of a loving servant devoted to promoting what is good in the life of others. We're to do this with gentleness. This means being humble. The call to give an account is not a call to beat unwilling people into intellectual submission, but to be a servant to those in need. When I read that, I felt like, wow, that that's what I get to do with Surge. It feel, for Surge, it felt like a coming home to me. Um, I've seen that on the staff with you, Blaine, uh, and others. Um, we don't only get to train other followers of Jesus to do it this way. I would call it the way that Jesus did it. Um, but we get to hang out with those who don't care about Jesus through questions and conversations and relationships. We get to demonstrate that Jesus cares for them. And that's the hope I'd like to share, that if you don't know Jesus, man, he is he is so ready for you to hear about that. He is a place of hope, even in challenging times. And I hope you can learn more about that. And if there's search in your city, you'll check it out. That's all I got. That's all she wrote. Well, Bill, that is some fantastic stuff. And I want to thank you for joining me today on the podcast. And I want to thank everyone for listening to the Search in Your City podcast. If you've got a question, comment, thought, anything, send it on over to us, podcast at searchnational.org. And until next time, thanks for listening.